I want to see how much pull we have in the city of Atlanta. See if we can get some of those chicken wings oh. sent down here to Orlando. What's poppin' everybody? Tim, the NBA is officially back tonight. How are we feeling? We are so excited. I am so pumped. The NBA is back. As we were talking about off air a little bit, it seems like it was just like last week that we were playing in the bubble. But Seriously. I could not be happier that the NBA is back. I'm not even going to complain. I know LeBron's a little upset. He didn't get his family vacation, and I, I totally get it. But as the viewer, I'm pretty pumped to have basketball back. Yeah. And that's the first thing we're going to talk about here today. I bring on my former college teammate, Alex Bernauer, to talk some basketball. AB is a big Warriors fan, but he's really plugged into the league, so he's got some great stories to tell there. And we have the one and only Bart Foley, who is my father-in-law, but more importantly, he's the VP of General Sales Manager at Root Sports, which is the RSN, Regional Sports Network, for the Seattle Mariners. And he's fantastic, has some incredible stories from being in the Sonics locker room in the 70s to, um, to, what, he's do- to what he's doing now, and some, some great career advice as well for people who are looking to get into the industry. I don't think you can possibly undersell how good his storytelling ability is one of those guys that really naturally puts something together that leads you to an endpoint. it's it's a really beautiful storytelling job if nothing else you get from this please take some some notes on how he tells stories it's incredible but first episode number 13 let's get into the numbers game all right so number 13 we have kurt warner kurt warner has a pretty incredible story for those who don't know he was actually cut from the green bay packers in 1994 didn't have a job in football and so he began bagging groceries for five fifty an hour. Slowly worked his way back. He went to the Arena Football League, started to crush it, and went to NFL Europe, where also played really well, and caught the eye of some NFL scouts. Then he landed with the St. Louis Rams. And then he had, I guess, I don't say the good fortune, but Trent Green, their starting quarterback, went down, and he stepped up, led the league with 41 touchdowns, an incredible 65% completion percentage, won MVP that season, he led the Rams to the Super Bowl in 2000, which they won, and they lost in 2002, and went on to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But bagging groceries to the Hall of Fame, what a story. It really is pretty incredible, and somehow not something that had lasted with me through all this time. I totally had managed to forget that Kurt Warner, the grocery man, has now turned into Kurt Warner, the Hall of Famer. A uh, couple things to take away here. One, you got to remember that. Two, the Arena Football League was dope. I don't know if anybody ever went to any of those yes. games. I loved those games. Yes. So I grew up in Spokane, Washington, where we had Gonzaga basketball, and that's it. Yeah. So the fact that we got an arena football team, and it was an yeah. AF2 team. It wasn't even the division, <laughs> but it was awesome. It was the Spokane Shock, and their, their, <laughs> their symbol, I kid you not, was the Shocker. It was so ridiculously <laughs> inappropriate, but it was so fantastic. <laughs> and the first year they were there, they went, I think they went undefeated or, or won or lost one game, but they won the AF2 championship and it was fantastic. Tickets were like $10 and it was so fun. That league was electric, man. People were flipping each other over walls. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yes. Growing up, arena football league was incredible. Well, Kurt Warner, number 13. <laughs> Side note, arena football league was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk some basketball. Here's AB. All right, joining me today, my good buddy, former Georgetown baseball teammate, Alex Bernauer. AB, welcome to the pod. Thank you for being here. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Glad basketball is back. Excited. Yeah. So the connection, AB, former baseball guy, maybe wondering what's the basketball connection here. AB is very much plugged into the basketball world. He was always the guy in Leo's O'Donovan by the waterfront dining hall at college playing uh, the highlights on his phone every morning at breakfast. So very much a basketball guy as well. Uh, AB, I think the first thing we want to get into here is the storylines this 2020-2021 season that we're most interested in. 
what is the first thing that you're looking at this season? Yeah, I, I wanted to see like the Nets chemistry. Um, I think that was like a big question mark. Like that that team after Katie decided to go there, yeah. um, and Kyrie like being probably the most polarizing player in like the league. Seeing yeah. just how like they come, you know, are a team, and like Steve Nash being the head coach. Like there's just like so many unknowns with like that team. That's just like be really exciting to see how it plays out. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think from the talent standpoint alone, if you look at that that roster, it's very deep. And now guys like Karis Avert, Spencer Dinwiddie, big fan of both of those guys. But I don't think like you know, they're talking about the, we'll get into James Harden here in a bit, I'm sure, but James Harden for Karis Levert's type switches. Do I want Karis Levert to be the guy leading my team? No. Is he an awesome six-man type of piece leading the second division? Absolutely. That's some depth right there that I think can carry the Nets a long way. But like you said, it was always going to be a matter of chemistry and how healthy KD is. And based off that first half alone, he looks healthy. Yeah. I mean, just like looking at like the two teams who, like this is like a weird season, like with like out having like certain cities having fans. I know like Dallas is going to have like 5,000 fans. Like I feel like yep. team chemistry is like going to be like an underrated thing. Like, especially just looking back to last year in the bubble, like the heat yep. have like good chemistry, the Lakers, you know, have like their chemistry. Like those are the teams that really succeeded. And we saw like the Clippers obviously, you know, swander when they, they didn't have that chemistry. So I just curious to see how it plays out. And I think uh, James Harden, another polarizing figure to mix him in with like potentially the Nets could be, could be an issue. And, who knows? Like it might be worth it, but I, from, from what you're saying, I think it's too big of a risk to take. Yeah, I think I'm with you. And that, you know, Harden is a separate point we can get into as the next one, but I, I like the currently constructed Nets. I think you drop in a James Harden figure and now obviously you've got three of the top 10 players in the league and that's, that's a great uh, roster decision to have, but fit, who knows? We're already, we're already dealing with Kyrie Irving who at any moment can snap. And I love Kyrie, but he's, he's a wild one, man. Like he, he can, like you said, Offline, the guy can sage anything he wants. It's just a matter <laughs> yeah. of getting that team to play as, a, as one unit. I, I don't know. But James Harden, that's the next one we can talk about here. Yeah. Where do you think he's going to end up? What is what is your feeling from all this? So I, I think he stays put. Like, what, 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 like, why do the Rockets have, like, an incentive to trade him right now? Okay. Outside of just, like, the um, – you know, he's a pretty disgruntled employee, right. if you will, right? Like, right. he's just super frustrated. But I think he stays put for a while. I think it's going to linger on. Um, I think, like, the 76ers want to see what they have. Like, yeah. Darren Boy, like, reconstructed the team to be a little bit more – put a little bit more shooting around, like, Ben Simmons and Embiid. Like, Seth Curry's going to be sweet for them. Yeah. Um, and so, I think – I like Maxi too. Like, I don't know. I think they, they kind of want to see that – how that team – it's completely different. They want to see what they have, I think, probably before they make some more moves. So, right. I think it's going to be – one of those long drawn out um, situations for sure. So I don't really see him moving right away. So I, I think I agree that it, it's not going to be immediate. I think there's a hundred percent chance he's gone before the trade deadline. I, I think that that situation is pretty irreparable, especially given what we saw today with, you know, uh, these kind of things can get overblown a hundred percent where he threw a ball at a rookie. Like yeah, I, that's definitely a, a bigger uh, headline than it really should be, but it's still concerning the way that he has completely disregarded this franchise as a whole and has clearly, decided that this is not something he's remotely interested in staying. Yeah, I think there's like a balance though, right? Like I think like that the organization kind of gave him the keys to do that. And like totally. I feel like and like that's like it's not all on James. I think it's part of like the culture, like the organization is like willing to like set for him. And like that's now obviously new ownership, new direction, like feel terrible for Steven Silas, like trying yeah. to lead a new team like with uh with yeah. this type of culture. So I think they have some fun pieces though. Like Bogey I've always been a fan of Boogie and like, he's healthy. Um, like John Wall. Cool. Like yeah. he's healthy. Like, I don't know. Like there's some like intriguing pieces and like 
They're exciting. I'm with you with them being exciting. I'm not a boogie guy because I think he's he like Kyrie can be a total cancer in terms of a, a locker room fit. But like I totally see what he brings from a basketball standpoint. But I do agree they could be fun. I just I think they're going to end up being towards the bottom of the Western Conference play-in teams, playoff deep. teams. Yeah, it's super deep this year. But uh, I, I think I agree with you. Yes, they absolutely established a culture where it was okay for James Harden to uh, run the show, as you may. But you also don't go to strip clubs with no mask in the middle of a pandemic while your team yeah. practicing. Like there's, there's a line where I draw where I'm like, okay, it's absolutely, this is on you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, not, not supportive of, yeah. you know, James, James going to the baby's, you know, the ice party out in Atlanta going then to, to, to Las Vegas. Like, you know, it's just be a little bit more considerate because yeah, don't, you know, it's a little tough situation for sure. Yeah. It's, it's one thing I totally understand wanting to make your move, want to get, get into a situation that's best for you, but to do it in the way that he did was absolutely not commendable. I can't, I can't get behind that one, but I think he's, he's gone. He'll be there for a little bit. I don't know where he goes. I think the nuggets have said they don't want to give up Jamal Murray. Uh, the Sixers have said they, you know, I don't know if they made this quite as public, but a lot of people are conjecturing they should not give up more than Ben Simmons. And I would have to agree there, you know, that mm-hmm. they have the leverage in this type of situation. Um, I, I don't know where else he really fits. I, the Nets have made it clear that I think that they're also pulling out of these negotiations. You never know, but, We'll see, right? I don't know where yeah. that landing spot is for him. Yeah, no, who, who knows? I'd be curious to be excited to watch how it folds out. Yeah, where where do you land next? What's what's another story that's got your eye? Well, I think um, wanting to see how like the, the the rookies. I think there's like a ton of always love to see the, the new rookies, especially like James Wiseman, only playing like three college games, yep. uh, no preseason. Like just seeing how he really fits in the NBA would be is something I'm really looking forward to. And then there's yeah. a ton of other rookies that are super fun. Yeah, I, I think Wiseman landed in the best spot for him personally. It would have been a significantly better spot had Clay Thompson been around and he really would have gotten less pressure put on him. But like you said, no preseason, three college games. He's really kind of getting thrown in the fire, but he's got a guy like Steph Curry who's there. He's got a guy like Draymond who's there, who's been it. They've done it. Those are good guys you want to put yourself around in, in a situation where people can shoot around you. And uh, I think he looks good. I think somebody else that maybe doesn't look as good so far, Anthony Edwards, has been a little slow out of the gates. but. Um, I think this is going to be, we all have established long before this draft, this is not a, a strong rookie class, but I do think there's going to be some pieces here that, that could make a difference. And the one, speaking of rookies, the one guy that's really caught my eye, and I think a lot of people's eye, just because he's so flashy, is the mellow ball. You know, I, we all know he's had that passing ability, but the dude's playing like he's been in the league for 10 years and he's making those fake behind the back passes halfway across the court. Like he's just doing wild stuff and that's the mellow ball show. Yeah, no, he, he he's definitely, like, fun to watch. I think he definitely fits into, like, the NBA's – we take, like, Instagram clips of, like, plays. But, like, especially from, like, his first preseason game, like, he was all trending Twitter, all over Instagram. But, like, he's, like, over five from the field. Like, yeah. great, he has five assists. But – so I'm curious to see, like, how that, that plays out. And I think that probably leads me to my last storyline. It's just, like um, – I know, like, the NBA ratings for, like, the, the playoffs last year were down, like – a what like 27 like 30 percent roughly yeah, like from 2019 one. like curious like how that like plays out as we move forward i know they're testing out this year like having the um play in tournament again it's only for this year though it's yeah. not in, like the future cba so i'm curious to see how like that works for the league and like how they they're you know continuing to market this is a good point and i do think <laughs> sometimes we can spend too much time on this whole ratings thing uh, I think a lot of people used it as a political narrative, as a way to say there's too many issues with X, Y, Z in the league. And I'm 100% sure that's not entirely the the whole cause. I think there's a ton of stuff going on uh, in the world that would cause to some uh, 
degree a change in viewership. But I do think it is important because while the league has the specific viewership, Mark Cuban's whole thing is we have the viewers we want, we have the viewers we want. Ultimately, you do still want a larger viewership to be able to point to make money for the league, right? So that's it's still important for the league. It's not as big of a deal as some people have made it, but it's still an important measure. Yeah, and I'm not sure, like, you know, I think, uh, like, we, we'd be pumped to watch, you know, like a, like a Hornets-Pistons game, right? But, like, the average fan, casual fan, I don't think would be, like, locked in, like, on, like, a, a Thursday night to tune in. So, like, For they sure. might watch, like, a couple playoff games, but, like, I don't know how, like, there isn't as much buzz, you know, compared to, like, the NFL. Like, it's, like, every Sunday. Right, and, and that's the – it's a scheduling thing, right, in terms of the NFL. They have it so much easier where you know exactly mm-hmm. – Saturday night I'm doing this. It's appointment viewership where the NBA, MLB, just leagues with more games. Naturally, it's going to be harder for you to follow every single one. Like, I'm a big baseball guy. I'm not watching every single Dodger game, right? Like, there's so many of them. You can feel it's expendable. So sometimes you're going to miss a basketball game, right? Mm -hmm. It's understandable. It's definitely understandable. I'm just curious to see, like, how how it moves forward, like, with the league. I know, like, Mark Cuban's, like, they've even, like, hinted at, like, you know, like, how they go into, like, streaming. Like, what what are those going to be look like as, like, TV deals go forward? Are they going to be, like, I don't know, NBA Plus? Like, you got to get, like, subscribed to, like, their their, uh, subscription to be able to watch. Like, curious to see how, like, that would be an interesting story. Like, see how that plays out. Yeah, the streaming side of uh, this whole industry is extremely interesting with, even beyond this industry, just streaming in general not to get on too much of a tangent here, but we've now ended up at a point where every single, (laughs) the reason we disbanded from cable is because people didn't want all these fringe channels. But so now we have all these streaming sites and now everybody has too many streaming sites. (laughs) So now people are upset that there's too many streaming sites. I think inevitably we're going to find ourselves back at some middle ground where you can end up with specific bundling. But yeah, we're going to end up with NBA TV, NBA TV plus, uh, uh, NFL TV plus, plus plus, like, it's 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 getting interesting but yes the the financial side of the streaming package is going to be super interesting because it's going there like mark cuban has, has hinted at it's going there same with expansion the fact that that's on the table all these mm-hmm. different revenue sources for the league it's very interesting to see how they're going to continue to keep up the revenue in times like this and that's why the viewership numbers are important like you mentioned mm-hmm. yeah and just curious about like fans i know like yeah. it's going to be state by state like how, how are fans going to get back in there i know like I've heard the Mavericks are having 5,000 folks, but yeah. other than that, I'm not too curious to see how that plays out the rest of the year. Yeah. I, it's the whole thing is so tough. I, I want everybody to be safe. You know, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's get into some predictions next. We'll move along to your conference finals predictions, your NBA champion predictions, your rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. Let's start with your Western conference finals prediction. Who do you have as the top two teams in the West? Oh, it pains me to say, but I got like the Lakers. Hey, there we go. As like the number one team in the West. Yep. I got the the Nuggets number two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do I do got, tell. Explain explain that one. I think the Lakers. I think people understand at this point. Give me the yeah. Nuggets take. So I, I, I'm a big Jokic fan. Um, yeah. I think he's an awesome like playmaker. Um, I think Michael Porter is going to be have like a make a big leap this year, and yeah. and they got Will Barton healthy. Will, Will Buckets is healthy again. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that I think the Nuggets are going to be fun. I think, you know, as we saw like last year, they, they're, they're a really talented team. Uh, so I think they, they're going to, they're going to run it back. My, my struggle with the Nuggets is they were one bounce away. One Mike Conley three point away from having the narrative be okay. The Nuggets are the Nuggets. They don't have the clutch factor. Right? Yeah. That goes in. Then the Clippers thing happens. It kind of flips the script on everything. 
they lost Jeremy Grant. They lost Mason Plumley. I think the way forward for them to have this type of year, like you're saying, is Michael Porter Jr. takes that massive step because he has yeah. to, right? They, they've cleared the way for him to do that. Um, I, he's obviously very, very talented. He's going to have to figure it out defensively a bit. I, I, okay, my, my pick, Lakers, clearly, I think they yeah. got better in every single position. Um, and I'm going with the Clippers. I still think they're the next best team. I think their biggest issue was going to be uh, the chemistry issues that they had. And I think Serge Ibaka addresses a lot of that because of his connection to Kawhi in previous stops. And I've heard that they've actually been pretty close and he's been one of the few guys that have really been able to get Kawhi to open up. So I think he, not only is he a good addition on the court, I think he brings a lot of uh, behind the scenes involvement that I think is important for the Clippers. So uh, as much as that one pains me, I think I have the Clippers there because of that new fit and just the style that, you know, they have Kawhi and Paul George. He can't be, they can't be that bad forever. Right. Yeah. No, I think like there's going to be, I'm curious to see though with like, it's a condensed season. Like I know that those guys are already pretty cautious with like their load management. Like I'm curious, like, you know, if if they're just, you know, they're going to be like not in like the, the play at tournament, like they're going to be in like the top six, like, well, they have like, you know, an option to coast a little bit. Whereas I, I don't know, curious to see how that plays out. I see that point. I could see the, the nuggets doing, getting crazy and maybe finishing as like a two seed if, if, if they, you know, play up to their ability and MPJ makes that jump, whatever. But, and cause you know, the Clippers do have a tendency to coast as the Lakers might this yeah. year, but the Lakers have a better second cast that will allow LeBron to be able to take some of those nights off that they didn't have last year. Let's go to the East. Where do you land on the East? Cause this is the one that I have more hot takes on. Yeah, no. So I, I, I really like like the Sixers and the Bucks. Okay, well then, now my takes are not as hot as I thought. <laughs> so I'm like Please in on explain. the Sixers. I'm in on the Sixers. Like yeah. I, I really like Maxi. Like I don't know, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, fires me up a little bit, and I think also seeing um, some of like the additions like that Maury added, like that I alluded to in the beginning, like having Seth Curry. I think it's like like the team like they really wanted to have, like surround them with shooters. Like yeah. let's test it out. Like have Embiid and Simmons with actual shooters around them and see how it goes. So I, I like the Sixers. I think they're gonna and Doc Rivers is gonna be. Great for them, new voice in like the locker room. So, okay, so <laughs> I thought this was going to be a hotter take than it was. Apparently, we're on the same page here. Yeah. I also am very intrigued by the Sixers because, as we saw a couple years ago, they were six bounces off the rim away from beating the Raptors, the eventual yeah. NBA champions, with a team that is not the same as this one, but similarly constructed in the fact that they have their big guys surrounded by shooters, which should have been the mold all along, right? That seems pretty clear from the Sixers standpoint. And I do think Doc Rivers has a tendency to be a better more impactful coach at the beginning beginning of his tenure in an organization this is his first year with a new organization he's got the two big guys theoretically even if it doesn't really work out to begin with they still do have that james harden piece as a Mm -hmm. you know a fallback option but yeah tyrese maxey has looked great in his first couple games uh seth curry a good addition to be able to shoot the ball for them isaiah joe even as a rookie i don't know what his involvement's going to be but also can shoot i like the sixers and that pains me to say because I do think there are a lot of really top-heavy teams in the East, like the Bucks. Go ahead and give me your pitch for them. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Drew Holiday is, like, is, is an – like, they traded, like, you know, it's like Everybody. the nuclear bomb trade. Like, you're yeah. giving away the coats. Like, it's yeah. dropping the bag for sure. So, I think it's a little little over the top for that. But I think you kind of had to do it. They, yeah. Giannis signed the five-year deal. Like, that's, I think, been an awesome offseason for the Bucks. And I think having that certainty allows them a little bit more flexibility in planning. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so I think that just like from like a front office perspective gives them like a peace of mind when they like consider other moves throughout, like they, you know, approach the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, 
ability to spend on picks and stuff. And I think, um, I you know, I'd be curious to see, like, I, I doubt, you know, like, the, we'll probably get into the MVP picks later. I doubt, you know, they're going to give Giannis a three-peat. Right. But I think he's going to have, like, MVP, MVP caliber numbers. That, yeah. You know, it just won't be, like, the narrative again this year. Yeah. So the reason I didn't go with the Bucks, my second team, I actually have to go with the Nets. Uh, and I'm feeling even better about that, having watched the first half of basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thing with the Bucks is we've seen a demonstrated ability to just blow teams away in the regular season and then an inability to adapt in the playoffs in terms of rotation and uh, style. I think there's an opportunity 100% there. I mean, we, we saw it last year. They were dominant. I think that they can do it. It's just a matter of seeing it and seeing Bud you know, change his style to be adaptive on that front. Yeah, Dante DiVincenzo may take a leap. You know, he, he looks kind to. of a, he looked encouraging in the bubble. I know Nova guy pains me as like a Georgetown boy yeah. fan to even like speak up a Nova guy, but um, I'm hopeful for him. I think he's been like a, you know, he's like an awesome guy to come off the bench and, and provide energy to like their second unit. Yeah, he, he definitely needs to. He looked a little scared in the playoffs, which I think hurt them a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I also like him. I think they've got the pieces. It's just let's see it, Bucks. Mm-hmm. Now the Nets, we we talked about them earlier. They have the pieces. They're very good. Kevin Durant stays healthy. Uh, tough team to beat, right? Yeah, no, I think the Nets are a healthy. KD, super encouraging to see like him full. It seems like he's fully recovered from like his you know ruptured Achilles. Yeah. Um, and so that's like been awesome uh, to see and, and hope he continues to stay healthy. But um, their ball movement and like their chemistry, I want to see it like in you know February. But, like as of right now, like it looks good. Hundred percent, I'm with you there. All right, let's get into your finals pick then. Who is in the finals? Who wins it? What do you got? Yeah, I got Lakers, Sixers, Lakers win. Ooh, I like to hear it. I like to hear it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going Lakers and Nets. Lakers win. Uh, repeat, I just think the Lakers got better in every position and they were already the best team last year. So I, I, until somebody demonstrates an ability to, to be better than them and uh, there's a weakness, the, the only path I see for this is LeBron declining more significantly than we would expect. But... I think the Lakers are the best team in basketball and I love to hear it. Yeah, no, they're super talented. Um, you know, rooting for, you know, LeBron, LeBron's going to take care of his body all throughout the regular season. He's going to yeah. coast and he's just going to be really focused on like the playoffs. So I think they're, they're definitely going to be primed and ready to go come playoff time. Yeah. I think he's going to be cautious with his body, which was honestly a benefit for them last year with the bubble happening. He got to take a little bit of extra time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go opposite end of the spectrum from LeBron in year 18 now, I believe. Let's go rookie of the year. Who do you have for this award? Yeah. So I've got James Wiseman. Um, I, I, I do. Uh, I think the Warriors are going to play him a bunch. I think they're going to need him to like, if they want to be a playoff contender, like, you know, probably like a stretch in like yeah. that playing tournament range. Um, and so I think he's going to be up really fun to see. Um, and I think he's going to do, do a good job. It's like providing like, you know, the Warriors haven't had like this agile of a big yeah. ever. Like they've had like these kind of like stagnant bigs with Zaza um, in the past, like stuff like that. So I think it's yeah. going to be pretty, pretty good to see. I think he has the chance to be one of the most impactful for sure. I'm taking LaMelo because like we talked about earlier, the narrative around this award is big. You know, it's probable yeah. and I think Lamella is going to have a narrative train he's going to be constantly in the media and I think that's going to help him a lot so even if the numbers aren't there and he doesn't necessarily deserve it I think there's going to be an added boost even if it's close and that's that's why I kind of got to go with him yeah the other one I'm curious I you know Obi I think yeah, it, it, they're just the going to be too bad they're, <laughs> they're going to be pretty, so they're bad, be pretty bad. Yeah. but you know I think he's fun he'll provide a ton of highlights in, in offense for the team so who knows yeah. yep I think 
the Knicks are going to suck and he's not going to be in the, the mainstream media. Uh, okay. Last one, defensive player of the year. I got Bam. Adam Bam. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the Heat, um, they, they were my third team in the, in the East. I think they're, they're going to be really solid again. And I okay. think Bam is going to be healthy. And like, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be out of that, you know, original, whether it's just like Gobert, um, you know, Giannis or AD, I think they're going to get someone new this year. Oh, that's hot. I would very much like to see Bam as the number two guy behind AD because I, I have a lot yeah. of respect for what he does, but yeah. that's a good one. Bam. Yeah, bam. Uh, Rudy Gobert getting his massive ass contract and not getting some defensive player yeah. of the year would be kind of a bummer for them. I like Rudy. I think it's, I always just will be ingrained in my mind, like the touching of the microphone. Oh, dude. I, I, think that, I, I think that's just forever ingrained in my mind. It's impossible for me to forget. I, I'm, I'm trying my best to really forgive him for it, but there, there's there's no way I'm ever forgetting that. You know, that is, <laughs> that is tattooed on the back of my brain. Rudy Gobert yeah. is the guy that touched the microphones. Okay, let's end this here. Last segment. This is Hot Corner. Under one minute, I'm going to give you a series of rapid fire questions. You don't know these ahead of time. And you're going to give me the immediate first thing you think of. All right. Cool. All right. Alex Bernauer, this is Hot Corner. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. First question Who has a better year, Steph or KD? KD. Nets or Warriors? Nets. Which is more likely? Wiggins finishes the year as a Warrior or somewhere else? Warrior. James Wiseman will be a Rookie of the Year candidate, yes or no? Yes. Would you rather suit up and play for the Warriors for one night or vacation with Clay Thompson to China for a week? I think you go to China with Clay. Wow, okay. 16 Warriors, 17 Warriors, or 96 Bulls? 16, 17 Warriors. Your hottest take about the Warriors right now is? They're going to have fans in the stadium by uh, March. Wow, okay. Better Christmas movie, Elf or Home Alone? Elf. That is our corner. Thank you, AB. All right. <laughs> That is, that is our final segment here. Appreciate you for doing this. Rapid fire. Uh, that is not easy. Yeah, man. No, that was cool. All right. Well, Abby, we need to do this more often. We're going to have to yeah, have you come good. back for, uh, for baseball season as well. I, I, you know, I don't, don't feel totally qualified, but I'm happy to, happy to join. Um, <laughs> well, you were talking a lot of crap about the Giants getting good this year. So this <laughs> You know, the Giants are – they're going to be good this year. They, they had some – they've signed a few guys this offseason already, some, some relief pitchers. Um, you know their bullpen is where they needed help. They, I don't think they're probably going to be as good offensively as they were last year. Like those guys had record yeah. years. Like I don't think they can repeat that. Um, but I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I still like the Giants. Um, yeah. I, I do watch every game. Like I know you. I'm impressed, I, man. I, I try I'm to watch impressed. every game. I don't know how you do it. I'm impressed. Yeah. All right, my man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I'm happy to do it, man. Um, alrighty, I'll talk to you later. All right, shout out to A.B. for joining us. He is one of the nicest guys on the planet. Super knowledgeable about the game as well. Great to hear from him. Now we're going to talk to Tim's father-in-law, Bart. Just, just stick with us. Bart is awesome. All right, everyone. Today we have Bart Foley, who is the VP and general, sports, general sales manager at Root Sports Northwest, which is the RSN of the Seattle Mariners um, and pretty much everything else that's going on here in the Pacific Northwest. Bart, welcome to the podcast today. So pumped to have you on. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. What an honor. What a privilege. How are you guys yeah. doing? We're doing well, doing well. I just wanted to, uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn today um, just because I had to, and you have one of the most amazing recommendations on LinkedIn that I've ever seen. I saw this too. Yeah. I'm going to read this because this is fantastic. Bart is a man that everyone liked working with and for. He was superior to many in the building. Nice. But he treated people as friends rather than as a manager or boss. Thus, those who served with him did so with respect. I would recommend him for any team that I'm a part of. Wow. 
you know, I wrote that and I was hoping that it wasn't too over the top. Um, no, Cameron Wong, the great Cameron Wong um, provided that recommendation. And I just, uh, you know, I just had to post it. So <laughs> incredible, incredible. Bart, so can you walk us through a little bit um, about your career in the sports industry, kind of where you've gotten to where you are today? You do some pretty cool stuff. So on all the advertising for, for Mariners and for Roots. So can you walk us through kind of your story and, and your career? Sure. Um, well, it's interesting to think that I'm in the sports industry. I guess I am after all these years. I, I sort of thought of it as going into media, you know, going into television. I wanted to be, and I was, in fact, um, in front of the camera. Uh, in college, I was doing some stuff for the former version of this network back in the prime sports days, which is basically, think, late 80s and 90s, early 90s. Um, but uh, I ended up doing an internship um, through a connection at the local Fox affiliate on the ad sales side and really loved the people, the lifestyle, kind of the, the hunt of closing business and, and that sort of thing. And so um, the next you know, logical place was to kind of do it, combining what I, you know, what I had learned how to do with what I loved in sports. And so I came to work for the earlier version of this network. By that point, it had been branded as Fox Sports Northwest from Prime Sports um, in the late 90s. And I've been here 20 some years since and just kind of have grown up, you know, from account executive to national sales manager to general sales manager now for the last 10 years plus. Um, and uh, yeah, we've had all the teams and at certain times uh, had to say goodbye to the Sonics, sadly, in the uh, late 2000s, um, about 2007, I think was the last season there. And currently, you know, Mariners and Gonzaga basketball and Big Sky Conference football. But um, yeah, there was at one point we had, you know, Mariners, Sonics, um, we had Blazers, we had um, Pac-10 and then Pac-12 and then the Pac-12 network formed. And, and like I said, the Sonics left. And so kind of a, you know, a little bit light in the winter right now, hoping for some some rights from a, a new hockey team. Yeah, uh, if you guys get the Kraken, that would be incredible. It would be fun. It would be good to have a, a another product in fourth and first quarter to round it out, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think your story goes to show that there are lots of different ways to to interact and to be a part of the sports world. And I think that there are a lot of people who are coming up that go, you know, if I want to be in the sports industry, I have to work for a team or I have to, you know, do this exact thing, whatever it might be. And I think you kind of have this perfect example of like, hey, you can be incredibly involved in the sports world, going to, you know, games like all the time, whatever it might be, selling ads like at the stadium, whatever it is, without working for a team, all these things. What advice would you give to, to people who are coming into the sports world um, or who want to get into the sports world um, in order to kind of to make that happen? Yeah, I think um, there are, to your point, a number of different offshoot sort of tentacles to the, the traditional thought of a team. Um, there, you know, the, the broadcast networks and, you know, other vendors that sort of, you know, are, are feeding off of the beast that is a professional sports franchise. Um, my advice is to, you know, it's kind of the classic stuff, you know, get and find an internship, not what you know, who you know. So um, use that LinkedIn, I think, if you don't have a connection at a team or if you don't know somebody that knows somebody, use that LinkedIn to kind of, you know, build a network and then find out who in your network knows somebody that knows somebody and ask that person if they wouldn't mind warming up a cold call for you to, to um, get an informational and pick somebody's brain. People, especially people in um, executive type positions have such big egos that they love hearing themselves speak as evidenced by the fact that I would accept this invitation to think that I'm important <laughs> enough that somebody is interested uh, to ask a bunch of questions 
so I, that's what that's what I would do if I was starting out again. I would just sit there and pepper them with questions and uh, feed their ego, and then for ultimately figure out a way to kind of get in. And then once you're in, you know, figure out a way to stay and to grow and and all that stuff. But yeah, internships and that entry any and in any entry level position, uh, you take it, and then you you get to know the people and once you're inside and prove your worth and all that stuff. That's awesome. That's great. The actual, the first time I met you was at a Mariners game. And That's right. I distinctly remember you walking down the concourse and you're like, you know, wearing a suit because I think you had clients at the game, whatever that was. I'm a little bit scared to ask this question, but what was your first impression of me? <laughs> um, well, it was the 2014 opener, if I'm not mistaken. It was yeah. the debut of Robinson Cano as a Seattle Mariner. The Mariners went out and overspent to get Robbie to come here. I think 24 million or so bested yep. the Yankees $20 million offer. And, uh, you know, there was a, it was a time of great hope and optimism. So I was in a good mood that night. We had a bunch of clients there at the home opener. And I met this, uh, this young guy trying to get to know my daughter. And uh, my first impression was back off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, this uh, i know honestly you know you, you you have great personality and so i was immediately like oh i know i'm gonna like this guy because you were fun and you know had the big smile and you're you know you give off a great first impression so i think i was uh excited for anna and 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 your future there you go and tim i'm gonna i'm gonna hop in here with my first impression of you because i don't know if i've ever told this story we uh it was when we were at one of the columbia meet and greet events whatever and I think the way that we had interacted, you just walked up to me, started talking to me. And I, I didn't know if maybe I didn't know who you were. Cause you just started talking to me and I was like, Oh, I guess, I guess we're doing this. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell at the time if you were just like kind of punking me. Cause you were being like super friendly and it was a little torn. And then it came out. No, that's just Tim. Tim is just a nice guy. So uh, yeah, that, that, ditto Tim. You, uh, you, you've got a good, oh, strong personality. You but we've done too much praising you. We got to change this up. Well, you, know, <laughs> you know, back to tying it back to the question, though. Um, you know, first impressions are huge. Yeah. They're huge, and you, you know, it's cliche, but you don't get a second chance. So, making that great first impression, doing your most utmost to kind of go out of your way to be, you know, energetic and looking in the eye and and smiling and all that stuff, just goes a long way, and it sets a nice tone for the future. And with that being said, I'm going to be selling first impression classes for uh, $39.99. And, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's super fun. That's, uh, that's great. Bart, you've been in the Seattle sports world for a long time now um, because you're so old. And Thank you. Oh, gosh. And, <laughs> and, you, do. you have people on and insult them? Thank you. <laughs> it's exactly. Now I know why I'm on the podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, no, but you, I've gotten to hear some amazing sports stories, whether it's, you know, been around the campfire or whatever it might be. And, and some of these stories, I think, have to be shared with the world because they are, are so good. And the one that always gets me, and I've heard you tell it a couple of times now, is the story of you um, and your coworker sneaking into this, this massive party in, in Seattle at Planning Hollywood. Yeah. And I think this is one that the world needs to hear. And so the floor is yours. You got to tell this story. Well, for context, I mean, your listeners would have to understand how big Planet Hollywood was at the time. Um, this is a this is probably 1995 or four somewhere in there, and uh, Seattle was opening up a Planet Hollywood. It was a big deal. Um, all the local radio stations were doing live remotes, and to get a ticket into this thing was a total VIP thing, uh, you know, local VIP thing. But there were also all the um, national stars were coming in. There's a lot of you know. Hollywood money behind this thing. It was, you know, Schwarzenegger, um, 
uh, who else was involved in it? Stallone, I want to say Bruce Willis was a part of it. Demi Moore. These were huge actors and actresses at the time. Charlie Sheen, um, I remember, was there. And uh, I was working with the, uh, in sales at the Fox affiliate at the time with the wife of uh, the local um, NBC affiliate uh, sports anchor. Um, Mika was her name. And uh, Mika said, Tony's working tonight. I got to go to this, this Planet Hollywood thing, but I don't have anybody to take me. I was like, hello. And she goes, would you go? And I was like, I would love to go. Let's do it. And she goes, okay, I'll take you under one condition. I was like, what's that? She goes, you got to get me pictures. I was like, done. Duh. Okay. Yeah. Easy. So we go down, we walk the red carpet. They had blocked off sixth Avenue between Pike and Pine downtown. And uh, you know, just primo uh, real estate there in the retail core. Anyway, get inside and it and of course any vip thing that you 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 might understand there inside the vip there's a vip inside the vip and so while we were in we were kind of on the outside looking in and all the cool people like uh, you know all those stars and then all the local people and the local athletes like ken griffey jr and alex rodriguez and guys like that gary payton were inside the um this quartered off section and so um i went in and i had just read an article about the power of the 20 and I think it was Esquire magazine and, you know, just the, how far you could get with the $20 bill. Sure enough, you know, next thing you know, we're inside and she goes, all right, time to pay up. And so I had to go around and uh, get her pictures. I was like, I'll do this under one condition. You are Miss Japan, beautiful Japanese woman. So it was, it was viable. You can't say a word though. Don't give it up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> meanwhile, I go, where's your camera? She hands me a cardboard Kodak camera, you know, just like this cheapest camera. I was like, uh, all right, here we go. So sure enough, start working my way around the room. Excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'd like to get a, um, a press photo, a publicity photo with Miss Japan. And like everybody was like all gung-ho to take a picture and nobody asked a question. Night's <laughs> over. We've get we've gotten all these pictures. And uh, she goes, ooh, one more. And I go, no, no, we're done. I'm sorry, I did my deal. And she goes, Don Johnson. Don Johnson, where is he? He's over here and he's seated kind of, he's sandwiched in all these six people. He's in the middle and Cheech Marin of Cheech and Chong fame and others are going to have to move out of the way to get Don Johnson. I was like, no, I don't want to go do that. That's going to be too much. Okay. So I walk over and I go, excuse me, Mr. Johnson, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have Miss Japan over here. I'd love to get, he goes, say no more. <laughs> Crowd parts. He scoots up, puts on his sport coat and he starts walking up and he starts engaging her. And she's going to blow it. He's starting to talk to her. And I go, I'm, excuse me, uh, Mr. Johnson, she doesn't even speak English. I don't think he, I don't, I don't even think she knows who you are. And he stops. He looks me dead in the face and he goes, she knows exactly who I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Such a power play. Yeah. Anyway, he took the picture. He took a bunch of them. He, I think he ended up kissing her on the cheek. Uh, quite, quite the charmer, Don Johnson. Fresh off of Miami Vice fame, by the way. I was going to say, oh for all the people out there who don't know who John, Don Johnson is, big actor. <laughs> well, we we both ended up with a bunch of pictures. I still have pictures from with me and A-Rod, me and Griffey, and um, Josie Bissett of Melrose Place fame to date myself. So That's, yeah. a, that's incredible. Such a My fun. goodness. Did anyone ever like try to speak Japanese to her or anything like that? Was there any, like, did you ever run across anyone who was Japanese who could call her uh, on this or not? No, no, that didn't happen. But people were um, definitely, I was, it, we were a moment away from getting kicked out at any moment. And I was nervous about it. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I don't know if you can get away with that in the social media era. I feel like it takes one person who just takes six seconds and goes, Google's really quick. Uh, Mrs. Japan, Miss Japan, and then finds <laughs> totally. out that you're lying. <laughs> totally. 
Well, the cardboard camera should have been the giveaway. <laughs> Incredible. I would love to see like whoever developed those pictures at Costco or whatever it was. Like it just sees this like all like the most incredible photo reel from a camera of like totally. that camera of all time. I'll, I'll show you some pictures. I still have a few of them. That's incredible. That's amazing. You also had a really cool opportunity where your dad, who was uh, a Seattle police officer, was the the bodyguard for the Supersonics for a while. Yeah, yeah and, he did uh, security. Yeah, and you got some pretty cool stories from that, right? Yeah, just growing up, um, going down to the games and getting dropped off by my mom because my dad found a ticket from a player and uh, sitting by myself, you know, in some player's seat and then having the the director of PR, a woman named Nancy Welts of uh, the Welts family fame. You know, Rick Welts was with the um, the Warriors and he was a Sonics ball boy at the time, I want to say. And uh, anyway, Nancy would grab me at halftime and sit me in a, like a courtside seat that was um, unoccupied by a season ticket holder. And then I'd go into the locker room after the game and getting to be around the championship team of 79. I need to tell you guys the team of uh, Gus Williams and DJ, yep. Dennis Johnson, John Johnson. And uh, my favorite at the time was downtown Freddie Brown. I got yeah. to be around those guys and so cool. um, got to know them. And then, uh, you know, that, that continued on through some really bad teams in the early 80s. And then finally, the songs got relevant again in the late 80s. And then, of course, the mid-90s teams were, the, were probably the best. But um, that was a fun time, definitely. Some cool memories. Yeah. How, how does that kind of shape your fandom as a sports fan in general because i know like bill simmons talks about all the time how when he was younger he was always sitting courtside with his dad at celtics games and how that's changed the way that he sees the game like what did that do for you when you were a kid and how that changed the way you saw the sport well these guys are already bigger in the life right you know yeah. just any professional athlete as a kid and these guys are both you know literally and figuratively bigger than life i mean you know jack sigma was six foot eleven i would just look at the size of these guys and just being so in awe Yep. And the NBA, there's something about the NBA where the guys are, you know, they're just more visible and, you know, you can just see, you know, they're just wearing their tank top and they're short, you know, you're just, you know, I was just mesmerized by them. Um, and then to have, you know, a couple of the guys just show a, a warmth to me, um, you know, still carries over to this day. The Sonics, you know, it's just still near and dear to my heart. And I just, I loved, ate up everything Sonics basketball from, you know, a kid up until sadly when they, when they took off. But um yeah. And, you know, but all, all professional athletes and, um, you know, the teams locally I was into as, as every kid was, it seemed back in that era, cause you played all the sports, you know, you would go from one season to the next. And so when the Seahawks became in, and for me, I was, the Sonics were a franchise from 67, they started in 67. So again, in 79, when they won it, I'm 12 years old. I meant like, you know, the peak of my, my, you know, youth sports fandom. And then, uh, you know, the Mariners, and the Seahawks has started just a few years before that. So it was a heady time to be a kid, you know, with these new teams and, you know, just jacked up, you know, for all of it. Yeah, definitely. Didn't as bad as the Mariners were, I was still loving <laughs> some of those guys, you know. Yeah, welcome to still what's happening in 2000s. Uh, <laughs> just super fun. Yeah. Didn't, uh, didn't you say like that you like randomly met Gus later on and you were like, that was me in the locker room. And he like recognized you and was like, yeah, like, let's go play golf or something like that. Yeah. Gus Williams is the coolest dude. Um, no, we, so the, yeah, the former, you know, brand of this network was FSN Fox sports. At, you know, we were um, still affiliated and owned by Fox and we got the Sonics rights back in 2004, five. And uh, that year, the Sonics had a great run in the playoffs. Well, it was also, I, I want to say it was some anniversary for the franchise. And uh, we did a big party 
down downtown Seattle at the Fox Sports Grill. And anyway, a lot of the legends came in and Gus and I walked over to Gus and he remembered me as a kid. Um, so, you know, we're Isn't in the mid nineties now we're, you know, we're almost 20 years later and he remembered me and uh, was so cool and so gracious and uh, even said something to the effect of, Hey, when I'm in town next, let's, let's get together. Let's, let's go golf or something like that. I was like, you know, I still, <laughs> I'm a grown man at this point, but I still look up to him as this little kid in the locker room. Super cool dude. He had, he has health problems. I, I, I read um, earlier this year. I hope he's doing well. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Gus Williams for the sure. wizard. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's, that's super cool. Do you have a, like a favorite sports memory? either from a kid, from a locker room experience, or like going to a game or anything like that, that, that you absolutely look back on, you're like, man, that was so cool. Gosh, there's just so many. Um, for whatever reason, probably because I was just watching that show with the, uh, NBA, what is it called, NBA Stories, The Rain Man in the Glove. The one that comes to mind is game seven of the 1996 Western Conference Finals between the Sonics and the Jazz. I, I refer to it as the most intense sporting experience of my life. That game was so huge. And the Sonics, you know, prior two years had failed to, you know, advance past the first round famously against the Nuggets and then the Lakers the next year. So the intensity of that entire, you know, the Sonics had been knocking on the door with 60 plus win seasons. And that jazz team was so good. Stockton and Malone were so good. And they had had the number of, of Peyton and Kemp. Um, but uh, Kemp was really coming into their, his own and, and, Learning and the Sonics were learning how to play a half-court um, brand of playoff basketball, and that game was intense. It wasn't particularly well played because it was just gritty and hard and grinding. But they pulled out that win. Um, I got to the game hour ahead of time, and the entire Key Arena, first year of Key Arena, by the way, um, which at the time was thought to be like, oh my gosh, what a palace! They had just remodeled Seattle Center Coliseum. Yep. Entire arena standing up for an hour before tip-off, and I don't think we sat down the entire night. I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe at halftime give our legs a rest it was just great so that that one comes to mind that's really cool that's awesome right i really uh really appreciate you coming on and uh just have a, a few little quick hitter questions before for you before you go so you ready for this, this is rapid fire wow is there bonus this is points this are worth is double bonus round points are worth double <laughs> double jeopardy um, exactly all right you ready for this Do there's it. only there's only three questions here so don't get don't get no. <laughs> no it's not crazy it's not like we're going like 10 questions here all right, right. all right here you go would you rather have the Sonics back in Seattle or the Mariners win a World Series? Oh, that's so tough on the <laughs> side of the Mariners and um, Mariners. Mariners win the World Series. Oh, there you go. All right. Who are your top three favorite Seattle athletes? Of all time. Mm -hmm. Edgar Martinez, Nate McMillan, and Sean Kemp. Love it. If you could play a professional sport, which one would it be? I used to always say basketball, but there's something cool about being a pitcher in baseball, you know, getting out the limelight every fifth day and then chilling out and hanging Just out to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the life of a pitcher. Are you kidding me? You get yeah. to play once every five days and then just sit on the bench the rest of the time. It's I feel awesome. like you could stretch it out with my injury proneness. I'd probably, yeah. <laughs> I, it would last for like two games in basketball and I'd be done. <laughs> Incredible. That's so good. Bart, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure. Love hanging out with you and uh, glad you could be a part of this. Thanks, guys. Richie, nice to make your acquaintance, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. Nice to meet you, too.